0: Welcome to the audio podcast for Saturday Night Life. SNL is a ministry of Northridge Church, and our hope is that this will be a tool that blesses and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you want to learn more about Northridge Church or SNL, you can visit us at nrchurch.ca or join us for Saturday Night Life at 7 p.m. on Saturday evenings. Until we meet, be blessed and enjoy the word for the season. Good
1: evening, Northridge. Welcome to Saturday Night Life. My name is Jonathan Erickson and I'll be your host tonight. Uh, SNL is a ministry of Northridge Church. We are all welcome to experience everything that Northridge has to offer. After tonight, we meet Sunday mornings and even Sunday afternoons if you speak Spanish. If you have kids, ask someone about the different free programs and activities we offer during the week. Northridge and SNL are proud partners. With Hope for Freedom Society, we are big fans of this ministry and count ourselves fortunate to work alongside them this way. Um, Celebrate Recovery is a place to experience freedom from life's hurts, habits and hang ups. We have a group that meets Friday nights just down the road at at Highway Church and there are literally CR groups all around the world. If you know that you're going to be moving out of town and want to know more about how to connect with cr where where you're where you'll be living just let us know um here at uh, northridge we like to celebrate recovery here at saturday night life if you're comfortable sharing where you're at in your recovery take a moment to stand and share your milestone I'm John, and I'm hundred thirteen days sober today. Yeah, yeah Dominic. Yeah, David. days. Yeah, Charlie. Awesome. Um, all right, Gary. Woo. <laughs> yeah, we on. U uh, version. Uh, take the Bible with you everywhere you go. U version is a Bible app for your phone. It also has Bible studies and the ability to highlight and share what you're reading. Check it out the next time you have access to your phone. Uh, if you don't have access to a hard copy of the Bible, we have one just for you. Just connect with a leader following the service, and we'll make sure you can get one. Uh, all our SNL services are streamed live on Facebook. Hello, Facebook. Um, during, this, during the week, you can watch the replay on YouTube or check out our podcast version on Spotify. If you're watching online right now, stay connected by liking, following, subscribing, or whatever so that you never miss a service. We serve coffee because we want to encourage you to linger and hang out. So make sure you refill your cup and enjoy a good conversation. We have free clothing, uh, so take some time to check out the free clothing available for you tonight. It has been brought especially for you, so don't be shy to take as much as you want. This shirt right here is from that very donation. Yeah. uh, Once again, we're glad that you're here. If you've got your Bible, you can open it to the book of Matthew and get ready to learn a little bit more about Jesus. He's the reason we're here.
0: Thank you. Good job, John. I forgot to update one thing you guys have probably figured out. We are no longer in Matthew. We're off to the book of Mark. Today is the first day. We're going to be in Mark 1 today, but before we go there... Couple of little housekeeping things. Um, I, I want to reflect back on the, the songs we just sang. Um, for those of you who are familiar with what we do here, and 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 it's kind of some of the things that are are true about Northridge. Quite consistently, we we love to teach about this reckless love that we just sang about, the 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 pursuit that of Jesus. Uh, no pursuit of us by Jesus. And there's a, a parable that's told that Jesus tells. In the Bible, where if there are a hundred sheep, so this is a good shepherd with a hundred sheep, and one of those sheep goes lost, goes missing, he he drops everything he has and he pursues that lost sheep, and it's this story about us for the times when we get lost, when we when we go out and about and we're doing our thing and and we're not following him, he pursues us, and I think sometimes we get things a little bit. Can I say "bass backwards" from the pulpit? But we get things a little backwards, and and we think that we've got to be good so that we can chase God and we can earn our place with Him. We we kind of sometimes picture Him as this old man in a rocking chair who's just kind of aloof and doesn't really give a rip. Um, but this is so much more accurate. This idea that our Father is pursuing us. He is he is. Like looking everywhere to try and reconnect with us. He wants to be with us. But that's actually not the song I wanted to draw attention to. The song before that, uh, I don't know if you were all totally um, getting the, the message there, and so I want to make sure that we do get it. That, that lyric that we sang over and over, that spirit break out. Um, one of the things that I, well, the way I teach on Saturday nights is we just open up the word and I start teaching through it. And the danger with that is it, it can become a history lesson, or the danger is it can become a storytelling time, or just me reading a, a story to you. And what we are calling for, and, and when we sing that lyric, "Spirit Break out," we are asking the Holy Spirit to come into this place and, and have his way in our lives, which can sound a little bit uh, intimidating. But those of you who know the Holy Spirit, who have a relationship with the Father, know that He's gentle and He's kind and and it's it's good for us. But what it does too is it takes us beyond what we're just reading as far as words on the paper. And honestly, uh, the way I've experienced reading the Bible when accompanied by the Holy Spirit is my eyes get open to different things. Um, We almost exclusively preach Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John here on Saturday nights and then I'll preach those on Sundays as well. So I've, I've preached through these books and so I've studied through these books quite a few times but it's unbelievable to me. Today I have something completely different uh, for you in Mark 1 than I've ever preached before or I've even really ever thought of before and, and that is the Holy Spirit opening my eyes He's giving me fresh revelation, and He can give us all fresh revelation. He can teach us something new, something beyond just words on the page. So that's, that's what we're singing about when we sing this spirit breakout. So with that in mind, let's go into the text. We're going to be in Mark 1, and actually, I should say this. You can leave the text up there. But uh, just kind of giving you a little bit of a background on the author, Mark. First of all, what we believe to be true is that every, everything that was written in the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek in the Bible was exactly as God wanted it. There's nothing that was written that wasn't inspired by Him and wasn't exactly as He wanted it. And so we, we put a lot of stock in, in the Word. And so when we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... This is uh, the God clearly thought a lot of His Son Jesus, and He wanted four different accounts of the life of Jesus. And we say different because they're coming from different human authors, but they're all inspired by the same Holy Spirit. And so you're going to see a lot of similarities. It's the same story too. It's the same person's life. But I also don't know if you had this experience before. Um, If you ever need a witness in a car accident or something like that, do not call me. I don't know what it is about me, but I think I have a syndrome where I don't witness things very accurately. I don't remember things very well. But let's say, for example, let's say John, I don't know why you did this, John, but let's say John dropped his coffee today, but he didn't just drop it. Gary punched him in the head, and that's what caused him to, to, I know, I don't know why, I don't know what you said to him, John. So if if I saw this happen, I could see things from this perspective, all right? But I wouldn't have the same perspective you guys would have from behind. You might have seen that that John was poking Gary in the back, and I couldn't see that. But you had more perspective. And, and Darcy might have more perspective. And, and Dave might have more perspective, coming from different angles. And so I, I think what we've got here is we've got God leveraging... Different styles, also different audiences. Matthew was a a staunch Jewish man. And so he wrote the story of Jesus for a Jewish audience. Not exclusively, I'm not Jewish, but I, I've read the book of Matthew. And I appreciate the book of Matthew. But he read it, excuse me, he wrote it with this filter in mind. That this is for, I really need My fellow Jews to learn about this Jesus. Mark, I'll leave him for the end, I'll come back to him. Uh, Matthew Mark Luke was a a trained medical doctor. He didn't actually walk with Jesus. He came in after the fact and he was like, I like to describe him as the Indiana Jones of, of Bible authors where he went around and he researched. He went and got firsthand accounts from these people who knew Jesus, and he accumulated research, and he was very descriptive and methodical. He says right at the very beginning of his book, I'm doing this so you can know that this is accurate, this is true. And he gives way more detail in his account than the others. And then the, the fourth gospel author is John. And John describes himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. He was super close with Jesus. They were like, like best friends. Um, and so he wanted people to know this Jesus and love Jesus the way he loved Jesus. So coming back to Mark, Mark writes, I think he writes for men, and this is actually a little bit discour- uh, disparaging of men. He doesn't use a lot of words. He's almost, this is almost like the Twitter of the Bible in the sense that he, he teaches things, he gets through things really quickly. Today, in Mark 1, we are going to get through the equivalent of five chapters of Luke. So you would have to read the first five chapters of Luke in order to get everything you we're going to get in Mark 1. It happens fast here, all right? So what I like to tell people is when you read the book of Mark, if you want to know more about these sections that we're about to read, check out other books of the Bible. And you're going to find, uh, especially in Luke, you're going to find a more expansive version of the story. All right. So with that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And you'll notice he doesn't even go for all the Christmas stuff. He doesn't talk about Mary and Joseph and, and the birth of Jesus. He goes straight to John the Baptist. All right. And we're going to meet Jesus here as an adult. It goes like this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Let's pause right there. And I'm just going to give you a bit of a, um, a teaching on uh, uh, just another way you can read the Bible a little more fully. So he makes reference, so this is Mark making reference to Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah is a a fairly, well, quite a well-known prophet, especially in, in biblical circles, where he prophesies about these things that are going to happen. A lot of them are what we call messianic prophecies. They are prophecies about the Messiah, the one who will come and save us. And so you read this a lot in Isaiah. This is actually a prophecy from Isaiah hundreds of years before a prophecy about this John the Baptist who's going to come. And John was going to prepare the way for Jesus. So, one thing you can notice is it's written a little bit weird, almost like a poem, where it doesn't go to the end of the line, and in here it actually tells you it's written in Isaiah the prophet. And so you can actually go back into the book of Isaiah, and you can see these words shared literally hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and you can start to kind of chart out. If you you get nerdy about this, you can start to chart out the things that were said hundreds of years before Jesus and then the things that come true in Jesus' life. And the cynic might say, well, Jesus was just trying to make himself look special and he's kind of acting out these things. But some of the things, he couldn't act out being born to a virgin in Bethlehem, being in the line of David. He can't control those things. He's a baby being born, right? Right. So, anyways, I just wanted to kind of highlight that. that This is an example of uh, a a prophetic word being shared and reminding us of these prophecies. All right, let's carry on. Verse 4, John appeared. So this is John the Baptist. He appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea... First of all, I think it's helpful for you to have again when you're reading the Bible to understand honestly I'm going to confess that my early days of reading the Bible and probably into my 20s to be honest, I would slip into this mindset where I was reading a story about kind of almost like Tolkien's Middle Earth. It felt like this fantasy land. I had never I still haven't been to these physical locations. But I had it in my mind, this is just almost Star Wars, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? But here we're talking about real places and real people. And it's helpful to have a a geographic uh, outline. And and if you want to read about the life of Jesus, it's helpful to know. Uh, Imagine right here the Sea of Galilee, okay? So you've got this sea, and then running down south from the sea is the Jordan River. Very famous, we're just talking about it here, the Jordan River. And it runs down to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, I, I don't know if you know all the stories, but it's below sea level. It's got a real high concentration of salt, so much so that you can float on top of it, and it's, it's really freaky. But, um, so if you've got the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, then off to the west is the Mediterranean, alright? So you've got the Mediterranean Sea and all that happening out there. So that's the geography. Then the weirdness of John the Baptist and the way he is dressed. John um, was hanging out with and actually living with this group called the Essenes out in the wilderness. And they were this very devout but quite unusual group of, of, of worshipers. And they, they lived a very different lifestyle. And we see by his dress and there was just something about him that was wild. Like when you were, if you were to go face to face with him, he would feel like this, like almost like he was growing as a part of nature. He's this wild, wild man. And he was anointed by God to prepare people for this Jesus who was going to come. And he was baptizing people. And right at the very top he talks, he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That word repentance. I'm going to pause on and refer back to Because it comes up again and I think I'll, I'll talk more about there. But it's a word we hear more and more about today. And the way we hear about it is, I think it needs some attention and, and some direction. And, I, and I'm going to do that a little bit later when we come back to that. So let's, let's carry on. We're going to a new section now. And we're going to talk about Jesus coming to be baptized. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Uh, So again, you're thinking, man, they seem to have skipped over a lot of parts. Mark is just giving us the headlines. He's moving us through the story really quickly. So Jesus gets baptized. There's way more to the story than we read here, but it, it gives you the highlights. Let's keep going here. Now we go on to the temptation of Jesus. And we talk about this sometimes. I think I've talked about it with maybe even some of you who have been baptized here. There's something about this time, and some people go a little deeper about this than, or a little more hardcore than I do, but I think there's something about when you make a decision to be baptized, you are dying to your old way of doing things. You are rejecting your old life you're dying to it and you are being born again a new creation. And what we can assume pretty easily and accurately to be true is that the devil does not like this about you and your decision making. He's not happy about it. And I think that a lot of times I hear stories, I, I actually, I don't think I've got a personal personal story from my own life, but um, I've, I've, I've heard stories of people who either just before they get baptized or directly after being baptized, it just feels like like the enemy's coming hard at them. It's like this whole new, like, you feel like, okay, I'm a new creation. I'm God's child. Why is temptation even harder on me right now? And I think it's a case where when we repent, if we're walking towards death and we repent, which means to literally turn from the ways we were going and walk with Jesus... When we do that, we are rejecting the enemy, and he does not like that. We talk about how God has a plan for our lives, and we like that idea. That sounds warm and fuzzy, but we ignore sometimes that the enemy has a plan for our lives. He wants to destroy you in the most painful, grotesque, horrific way possible. And when he takes you to your death, he wants to take as many of your friends and family and hurt them with you. That's the enemy's plan for your life. And he is not happy about it when you choose to reject him, repent, and and change the way you're walking. And so we see this with Jesus. And and Jesus is, the way Jesus lived his life, it's almost like he's got his hand to his ear and he's just listening for what the Father wants him to do next. He's just following the direction of the Father. And, And the Father's telling him, okay, you need to go out, and you need to prepare yourself for what's ahead. And he goes out into the wilderness, and we see this in verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Again, if you know this story, you know there's way more detail to the story than Mark is providing. He's just giving us the headlines. So Jesus goes out out into the wilderness, he is met by Satan who is tempting him. And there's a whole neat teaching that goes with these temptations we're not going to get into. But he overcomes the temptation. He overcomes it by, by quoting scripture. By kind of doing what we just did at the beginning where we were reading, Mark was quoting Isaiah. Jesus would quote scripture to put the enemy in his place. And he passed all of the tests. Alright, let's keep going here. Then Jesus begins his ministry. So now he's ready to do the things he was born to do. Verse 14, now after John was arrested, which is a little bit of a story, part of the story they kind of overlook, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I'm going to give focus to this last part here. And there's a really good chance that I'm going to offend some people in the way they think about repentance. And I know there's a chance that if some people are watching online, they've got a very different theology about what should be preached from the pulpit with regards to repentance. Um, if you're online and if you care about this stuff, you're going to find people who are really angry with people like me who aren't screaming at you, pointing your finger at you, and screaming at you to repent. uh, They they want me to tell you you're going to hell unless you repent. And the truth is, they're right in a way. But I think what happens, and I'm I'm so bad at uh, explaining what I mean by this. I think what happens sometimes is some of these YouTubers can get really caught up in what we're repenting from. And they lose sight of the incredible part of what we're repenting, we're turning from, and what we're repenting into. And to me, I would rather preach a thousand sermons on drawing nearer to God than trying just to be strong enough to face and and turn away from your sin. To me, yes, sin is scary. And the outcome of living your sinful life without the redeeming work of Jesus Christ is horrific. And I could, I could talk about that. I could curl the hair on the back of your necks and, and scare you into the kingdom. But that's just me trying to convince you of something. Instead, I want you to turn, but I want you to look on something that is so beautiful that you can't resist it. I want you to know this Jesus who loves you so much that he's willing to do everything, including sending his only son to die for you. I want you to know him. I don't want you to work at trying to get over your skin, sin, your skin too, your sin. I want you to love Jesus so much that you're just bent on following him. That you can't get enough of Him. You can't stop reading your Bible. You can't can't stop talking to Him in prayer. And guess what's going to happen to your sin life if that's what you're doing. It's going to get left behind. That repentance, that turning will stick. When you start to experience the joy of following Jesus, the hope that comes from following Jesus, the new life, the light and the lightness that comes from following Jesus, you won't want to go back. Especially if you had a real mouthful of the sin life. You're not going to want to go back to that. When you get a taste of what life is, that's where you're going to want to go. And so the reason I don't sit here and yell at you about your sin is because I'd far rather you get to know the one who has saved you from your sin. So when we teach this, or when Jesus taught, uh, the, kingdom of his, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I 100% believe that he is commanding us. He's calling us to stop doing what we're doing and repent. We're turning from our wicked ways and believe in the gospel. And the gospel is the good news that this Jesus died for us so that we don't have to die as a result of our sin. Does that make sense? So this is Jesus now starting his ministry. And I believe we've got one more. Yeah. Is this the last uh, slide of text? Okay. So this is the last part. Uh, this is not the end of Mark chapter 1. I've, I've kind of chopped it off here. But this last part we're going to get focused to. Starting in verse 16, he says this. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will, make you, I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. There's a bunch of things I want to say about this. The first is, this is actually a good picture of repentance. And it's not that being fishermen... Uh, was sinful. That that he's not making a commentary where leave the sin of fishing. That's not what he's saying. But this idea where they're they're living this life, Jesus comes in, and he says, "Follow me," and they drop everything. They drop everything and they just start to follow Jesus, and everything changes for them. They fall so in love with this this incredible teacher, teacher miracle worker. Uh, healer, like, they, they are so overcome with him that they, even after Jesus does everything he's going to do on earth, goes back to heaven, they carried on telling everybody about this Jesus to the point where they were martyred, they were killed for their faith in Jesus. That's how fully they committed their life, life to Jesus. So, um, one of the first things I want to identify is this this act of dropping everything. They're, they don't go back and visit their old life. They don't have one foot in their old life, one foot in their foot in their new life. They drop everything and they follow Jesus. That's a good lesson for us. That's the first thing. The second thing I want to point out, I'd love for you. This is some homework if you choose to to look into it. Look into the disciples that Jesus chose, the twelve disciples. I I've joked this maybe actually just two weeks ago. I talked about if if I were Jesus's public relations manager. I think I would have advised Jesus to really connect with some high-ranking people or some people with a really good reputation. In fact, I probably would have told him, hey, go hang out with the Pharisees. If you get in good with the Pharisees, all of the religious people are going to love you and they're going to want to follow you. If you get their endorsement, you're golden. Instead, if you look at the people that Jesus handpicked to be the men who would tell the world about Jesus after Jesus was gone. He chose fishermen. He chose tax collectors who were hated by everybody. He, He chose one of the guys he chose. He knew, because he's God, he knew that this guy, Judas, you may have heard of him, Judas was going to betray him, and yet Jesus handpicked him to be his best, well, one of his best friends for the next three years. Jesus chose people like you and me. And and I think sometimes we look at our neighbor and we're like, oh man, they're such good people already. Of course God would want them, or God would want to be with them. But then we know the sin in our own lives. We just know our own shortcomings where we're not comfortable talking to people, or, or we don't like to read the Bible, and I don't like to pray, or whatever, and we think, okay, well, he he wouldn't, he would never be able to use me. Jesus handpicked probably the most unlikely people to be his camping buddies for the next three years. He he could have chosen anybody, but he chose these these people here. Um. Many of you have been around, you heard me teaching about this Simon that he picked. This is the same Simon. Remember, his name means withering reed, this wimpy piece of grass. Later on, we're going to see, actually, I don't know how much we go into it in Mark, but Jesus renames him Peter, which means rock. He changes this man, just knowing Jesus, and then later being filled with the Holy Spirit. This man who was once this wimpy piece of grass becomes the rock on which Jesus builds his church. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here again. Um, This whole idea of Jesus calling his disciples. This is something, um, how do I want to say this? This is something, this is really our mission. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been given a mission. uh, And this comes in Matthew chapter 28. And we're told, go into all the world and make disciples. My job following Jesus is to try and find people under any rock or behind any tree. Find people who I can tell about this Jesus. Who I can share the good news about what Jesus has done. And tell them to the point where they understand it and believe it so that they can in turn become somebody who goes around and tries to find a disciple. What I'm saying is this, is if you want to follow Jesus, it's not a passenger sport. This is something you are being called into a discipleship role where your job is now to go and find people who don't yet know Jesus and tell them about this Jesus. Jesus told the world about himself, and then he handed the baton to us. It's our, it's our role, it's our responsibility, it's our mission to tell people about this Jesus. Uh, we're going to respond with uh, one song, here, one song, right? We're going to respond with a song, and then I, I'm going to put out an invitation like I often do. Uh, and um, so we'll do that. So let's stand together and let's worship together. Thank you, worship team. All right, have a seat. I want to talk you through something. Um... Sometimes I, I I create gaps or I, I jump over some, some important parts. Again, this whole discipleship thing we've been talking about, this teaching where Jesus calls us to repent, to turn from the way we are walking. And sorry, I always make this the sin side. So if you ever want to be the good guys in the story, sit over here, because I always make this that, for whatever reason, this is the sin side, and then you turn to, to the right side. Maybe I'll just have to mix it up a little bit. Then you're going to take offense, I'm sorry. But this whole idea where we're being called out of something, out of darkness and into light, is, is really the, the main message that Jesus is saying about himself and that what everybody who has followed Jesus has tried to share. This whole idea of discipleship is pointing to Jesus because he's the one who saves us. Because the truth is this, there's no amount of willpower that is going to cause you to become worthy of, of God's love or worthy of uh, bridging the gap between us in our sinfulness and God in his perfection. There, there is a gap that we can't in our humanness, we can't be good enough to jump that gap. And, and that's the thing. is We need somebody outside of ourselves. And what we believe to be true is there is one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except for through Him. And, and for people who, who believe all sorts of things, this is controversial for you. But this is what we're going to teach here. Is that the, the one way to eternity in heaven with the Father to right relationship with him, the one way is through Jesus. And and we like to present that as an option for you. It is not a cheap gift, but it's a free gift from God. Um, The word says that the wages of sin is death. The payment for our sin is death. That is what we are owed. But, the verse goes on to say, the free gift of God is eternal life. Even though we deserve death, he wants to give us the free gift of eternal life. And he offers it, this sometimes can sound a bit like a formula, but we try and make it simple. We say A, B, C. First of all, if you can admit that you are a sinner, that the, the way you walk is in sin, that you, and not all the time, you're not walking around killing everybody you meet or anything like that. It's, it's more a case where you just keep finding yourself doing these broken, sinful things things. If you can admit that, that's the first step. If you believe that, okay, because now we know we've sinned. The payment for that sin is death. But if you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, paid the price for our sin so that we don't have to pay death. We can live forever if you believe that Jesus did that for you. That's the second part. But then the third part is important. Sometimes we, we, we love the story of Jesus. He, oh, he did all the heavy lifting for us. Now I get to live forever with God. But we forget the third step and it's to actually repent, to turn from our wicked ways and commit to following Jesus. It's a life change. Our lives should look different when we're following Jesus. Now I'm gonna give you a newsflash and some of you have already figured this out. You can love Jesus like crazy. I I, honestly, I think I would pass every lie detector test. If somebody asked me, do you love Jesus? I would say yes, and I would pass every time. I love Jesus, but you know what? I screw up all the time. I do stupid things. I do sinful things. Even though I am committed to following Jesus, I still do stupid, sinful things. The good news is this. When we pray for repentance... And Jesus pays the price for our sins. He doesn't just know about the sins that have already happened. Jesus lives in this space outside of time. He knows the sins that are still to come. And the forgiveness that he offers us is forgiveness from all sins. And and if you're looking to work the system, oh, I think I found a loophole. If I forget forgiven for all my sins, I can carry on doing whatever I want. Well, obviously it doesn't work that way. Okay? We're meant to commit to following the Father. And I'm going to tell you this you're going to find a life in following Jesus that you couldn't have created for yourself. It is better. It's not just better in heaven, it's not just you haven't just punched your ticket to heaven. Life gets better here. It doesn't get easier all the time, and it's not perfect, but it is better. And so I would like you, um, again, I, I like this to be something between God and you. So I ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to invite you, if you want to admit that you're a sinner, if you believe that Jesus paid the final price for your sin, and if you want to commit your ways to following him today, I would just invite you to raise your hand, even just where you're at. Awesome, thank you. Bless you guys. Okay, you can put your hands down. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. September 16th, 2023, uh, which is a birthday for some of these guys. Where They are a new creation because they have uh, made this decision to follow you. They have put their trust in you to deal with their sin, to deal with their past. And and Lord, what we believe to be true is that, well, your word says this, that you take these sins that we've asked forgiveness from and you throw them as far as the east is from the west in other words they're all the way gone and father i want to pray a prayer of protection because i believe what happens too often is the enemy loves to come and whisper in our ears after we've been forgiven by the father and loves to whisper reminders of how how sinful we are and reminders of the of the things that we've done and, and the enemy loves to invite shame and guilt and make us feel like we can't walk and follow a perfect God because we are too broken. But Father, we come against those thoughts. We come against the work of the enemy and we pray that you would speak life and bring peace to the lives of the guys here tonight. We pray blessing on everybody here. Uh, not just in the space, but when we go home, Father, I pray that we would understand that we go porting this blessing with us and and this good news that, that we get to share with other people. And we can be difference makers in other people's lives because of the message that you give us to take with us. Bless us in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if we see you tomorrow, awesome. We don't see it t- till next week or later on down the road. Be blessed and uh, take care. Thank you for joining us for Saturday Night Life. If you want to learn more about this ministry or if you want to talk to somebody about what you heard on this podcast, please email us at snl@nrchurch.ca. We'd love to get to know you better. Until then, be safe and i